Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Sabres offensive zone. There's a shot right on. Riddick gets behind him. Scores! J.J. Paterka stayed with it and gets the finish. Dowdy in behind the net. This is going to be turned over right to Greenway with a shot. Scores! Jordan straight down the Greenway. Cousins right side. Shot scores! Brian Johnson sends it to the far circle. Here comes a shot. And it scores! That's in the net. The Sabres have a four. In front scores! Stolen here as Alex Tuck from the right touch scores! Alex Tuck with a shot save made in the rebound! Scores! Jordan Greenway! Uko Pekka Lukin for the fourth time this season, the fourth time in his career with the shutout. Hell of a job dialing into a game plan at a competitive level. Over and over and over. You pressured. You did it over and over for this guy to back him up for a great effort. A lot of guys are buzzing today. Luke, great job. This goes to the big fella. Greenway gets the sword, and the Sabres get the victory, and this is Valentine's Day. Hi, Marty. Hello. Happy Valentine's Day. Yeah, happy Valentine's Day. Um... Yeah, it was kind of like a good date night if you were uh, wanting to go out for Valentine's Day last night. Uh, it worked out. It was uh, not for the Kings, not for... Oh, by the way, yes, a fan from New Zealand swung by... Yeah, a Kings set. fan. I know. I saw. A Kings fan, but he yes. got somehow won a Marty Baron signed puck. He was all excited. This guy brought him over, all excited from New Zealand. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what makes you come to... I didn't notice his sweatshirt. And he yeah. goes, eh, Kings fan. But... Look, it wasn't a great night for him, but he went home with a Marty Biron signed puck. I mean, that's great right there. Does it last? Does the feeling last, or is it like one and done? Do you think he's still happy today? I think he's still happy today. I think okay. the only problem is that puck is always going to be a reminder of a 7 nothing, <laughs> like, you know, yes. kicking, uh, you know, what kicking yeah. that uh, he saw here at Key Bank Center. All right, where are we headed today? Fixture-wise, because this week you have led us into the toilet. Last night, our yep. post-game interview took us into the shower. That was Zach Benson discussing his superstition. So I'm mildly concerned about where it goes today. So. Well, let's stay out of the bathroom. Let's just put it that <laughs> way. Um, I mean, the first thing that I thought about this morning when I woke up is Ukupekalukanen. Um, and the reason why is because, look, it's a 7 nothing game. We laughed about, about it after the, the broadcast. Is the last time the Sabres have scored seven or more in a shutout was against the Atlanta Thrashers, and I had made 16 saves. And I can mm -hmm. think of that's 2001, and that was my first year after Hashek, right? I believe that uh, 99-2000, 2000, 2001, were his last two seasons that I was there with him. And then 2001, 2002 was when Dom left. And, um, and, and so now what do we, I look at UPL, he's played 11 of the last 13. That's the rate of a number one goaltender. When you play six, you have a night off, you play another five, four, you have a night off, you, you know, you start another one. Mm -hmm. That's the game rate of a number one goaltender is numbers in that stretch. He's six and five in those 11, not mm -hmm. on him. He, it could be eight and three. He could be nine and two. 
He sits at a 157 goals against average and a 944 save percentage at that time. And he sits at number one duffer in the NHL in goals save up above expectation per 60 in that time. Now, when you look at the total of goals save above expectation, Jacob Markstrom's number one, but he's playing more. So mm-hmm. there's more minutes. But uh, when you look at per game, he sits at number one. So I'm starting to think, okay, let's... Keep it rolling here. Maybe I'm jumping on the on the Duffer bandwagon and saying, well, play as much as you can. Play as as long as you can. You got to start establishing that you're that guy now. And he's yeah. Now I'm not sure what starting date you used. It might be. It's clearly different than mine. He's actually I started seven, January first, basically. Yeah. Started, so go to December thirtieth because he had uh, a very strong performance there, yeah. and that's where it turned from. You know, well. It's just an easier launching pad. So he's seven and five in that stretch. He's still not getting a lot of run support, but over the 12 games, he has a 1.6 goals against and a 941 save percentage and everything that you just talked about, you know, from an advanced standpoint. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think it's funny that like sometimes we, we, we try to surprise one another here, not just on Valentine's day, but just in general with the conversation, like we don't want it to be over scripted. Um, I mean, Based on yesterday's butterfly conversation, I'm not surprised that you started with Lucan in today, even after a seven nothing win. Um, but the the point needs to be made that this window of time for Lucanin has to have created, caused whatever a serious evaluation, reevaluation of the position within the organization moving forward and for how long. And this is not just from the hockey department. I think every fan looking at it now um, is probably wondering, like, when do you commit, right? Like, as a uh, um, because we've been doing this <laughs> every summer, um, and then it doesn't work out for every team, right? They make, yeah. they hitch their ride to somebody that gets hot. And then it's like, oh, well, but it's also the nature of the sport. And it's it's a risk-reward system, right? Um, well, I look at it in a in way that, um, so what if Lukanen had started the season that way? Right? What if he was 7-5 and five in his first 12? Well, the, a- the team was fine, though. Like, I mean, they didn't, I don't know. No, they, they were come... hanging around 500, but I'm just saying the numbers yeah. more. Like, they were giving oh, yeah, up more goals. Yeah, right. And now you look at, okay, in that same time span that we talk about with Lucan and since, you know, the end of December, early January, um, they're defending better as well. Um, you know, they're seventh in in their in, um, expected goals against in the National Hockey League in that time span. So you're saying, okay, it's all working together. Um, yesterday, they scored. Perfect. They scored seven. A lot of times they don't. So again, I think that you're trying to find your pieces and put your pieces in the place where they need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think as I'm sitting here right now, I'm looking at, okay, we still have a big question mark in net again. And what are they going to do in net? And I, because being really good in the second half or being really good in the first half, it, look, it's still a good learning pattern a good establishing you know yourself as a as an nhl goaltender regardless of when you do it um and early in the year let's not forget like i don't know that he was really given that opportunity to say hey 
you're our guy, right? Three goalies, Levi, you know, let's let's play. And then all of a sudden, it takes you some time to get going. And now, boom, now he's going. Now he's mm-hmm. he's playing probably his best. Why? Because he's feeling his best mentally and physically. Like, I'm, I'm so playing what a lot of mean? games. Huh? So what does it mean then in the what big picture? What does it picture? mean? Sure, he's a free agent. He still doesn't have a ton of games under his belt. I mean, I, that so- means that you can do two things. Um, and look, I don't, I don't expect the Sabres to sign Ukopeko Lukanen this week and say hey, we've we've locked him up for three more years or whatnot. But I do think that Lukanen doesn't have a lot of leverage in saying I want four million dollars a year. I want. I think that you know you're going to get Lukanen at a reasonable number. And just say well, what's reasonable. Help the people along here. What's reasonable for me for Ukopeka Lukanen is probably somewhere in the two and a half million dollar range right now, in the way that I see it. Probably two and a half to three million. Um and there's backup goaltenders around the National Hockey League that make, you know, two and a half to three million dollars. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, okay, that's the next step. That's where we feel that where I would feel that Lukanen would be moving forward. And that's not saying, oh, you're trying to do it cheap again with, with goaltenders or whatnot. No, it's just that at his age, as a 24-year-old guy that's making $837,000 this year, going to $2.5 million would be a step up, would be a, a chance to get there. Now, he's if you, you probably would have to do – his agent would probably want a, a one-year deal. Just to say, hey, a one-year deal, and then after that, we go long-term. We go longer-term. Because he's 24, and he has three years before reaching, you know, unrestricted free agency. So a one- or two-year deal at that number, and then you see where you're at, I think would be probably the the um, the sweet spot for everybody. When really? I said one-year deal, you kind of, like, looked at I, it. Yeah, I was shocked. Well, they're not going five or six or seven years. Well, I can't imagine an agent asking for one. No, but I think <laughs> that's the spot. It's been a grind to get to this point. I would think he'd want to be getting some term. Yeah, but if if you really believe in your client and say that, hey, this guy is going to be making the five and six million dollars that number one goaltenders are making at some uh. point in his career, you can't go out there and sign a four or five year deal at two and a half to $3 million. You just can't. Right. But you, so you, you have to you, play the, the UFA game and say, I, when are you a UFA at 27? You have three years. Okay. Sign two years at a modest two, yeah. number. Not one. Okay. Well, big yeah. I, sa- I said one. I, I'm going to say two. Okay. Yeah. I, first now, of all, I don't know of an agent that doesn't believe in his client. So yeah. <laughs> So like I'm sure there is some, but they're not very vocal about it. They're not as active on Twitter, but yeah, they're not they're not as active active on Twitter Twitter right now. So yeah. But it also if you sign two years, here's what what would happen Mm -hmm. is you're also Levi has another year left, right? And I understand that that battle between Levi and Lucanen is always gonna be like who's gonna be the guy. Even though right now Levi is in Rochester and Lucanen is playing at the level that he's playing in Buffalo. I think there's always the question mark. Well, could Levi be better? Could Levi be? Well, it doesn't matter at this point. Could you have two goaltenders, right, that are good? 
Um, could they have Lukanen for two more seasons and then Levi a year and then he signs another contract and he signs a two-year deal around the same price because, hey, you're an NHL goaltender. You're another two years at two or 2.5 and now you have two goalies signed for $5 million and you still are managing your cap in yes. a very, very uh, smart way moving forward because instead of spending eight or $9 million on goalies, you're still spending about five. And it's not that you're being cheap. It's because the situation is presenting itself that you can like kind of dig in your heels a little bit and, and keep the numbers down. Yeah. there. Who would you... Um... Like, there's no, I don't think, exact comp. Um, rarely is there. But, I mean, if you look at other goalies around the league, I think the salary type that you're talking about is similar to, like, a Mackenzie Blackwood in San Jose. Um, you know, and his journey has has been riddled with uh, injuries and inconsistency. And I think the Sharks believe in him a little bit. It's hard to... It's hard to do that in its entirety when you're in the in the window that they're in right now, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know likelihood you know trying to land the first overall pick. I think Georgiev kind of fits into it a little bit too. He's obviously older at 28, but even Georgiev, you know, um, at 3.4, like that's not a crazy salary, but he probably had a little more, you know, more established game. Correct. Yep. Right. Uh, yeah, um, Georgiev was way more established, more uh, history. Had played longer, yeah. and was was traded for Colorado. Acquired Georgiev to say mm-hmm. you're our number one. Here's a guy that I think is very a very good comparable. You're um, not going to say Swayman, are you? No, I'm not going to say Jeremy. Swayman <laughs> but, but even that's... Jeremy playing on a great team and showing nothing but an upward trajectory since the moment he entered the NHL. You know, even he landed on three point four. Um, and that's not an outrageously high number given the credentials that he packed into a small period of time, right? Okay, so how about Stuart So I think you're right on the salary number. Like, I think that's, that's definitely, you know, kind of the range we would be looking at here. So Stuart Skinner is 25 last year. Holder finalist last year. Last year, like he was a um december of 2022 so not like a year and a month ago a year and two months ago mm-hmm. he signed an extension to his contract he was making seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. he was on a two-way so mm-hmm. he was playing well and jack campbell was struggling well that's the problem they already had campbell on the books so they had leverage kind of against skinner there they oh. they did um not saying that the sabers don't have leverage against lucanen but they do have a situation where they Start the season with Devin Levi thinking Levi's our guy or whatnot, and you looking and you're going to wait. But Skinner signed a three year deal at 2.6 million a year, right? Mm-hmm. He's now 25 years old. When he is going to be done with this contract, he's an unrestricted free agent. So, yeah. given Skinner the extra year, kind of puts Edmonton in a situation where, okay, if it didn't work with Skinner, we can clean, walk away, and we're mm-hmm. done with it. Yeah. Or if it works, well, in two years, we can extend them for the future before he becomes a UFA before because before all of that. And I think the Oilers will probably be in that situation after next season, after the 24-25 season, they will have to look to extend Skinner if he continues to play the way that he is now. Yeah, but, the problem is they still have Campbell on the books beyond that. But they, well, yeah, they're gonna have to really like figure that oh, one out. And again, yeah, that's why when 
when you have an opportunity to look and say, okay, we can move forward with our goalie situation and yeah. and maybe um, be smart about it, mm-hmm. um, it, it's it's a luxury, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of teams that are like, oh, we'd like to be smart about it, but we're stuck because we have a contract. We can't move. We can't do mm-hmm. anything about, and that's problematic. Um, but I think Stuart Skinner is a really good comparable in the way that yep. didn't have a lot of experience, was having a good season, same age, ended up at 2.6 over three years. Yep. Uh, it works. We literally talked about it a week or so ago, just about did the Sabres play the Oilers recently? Why was I thinking this? But regardless, I mean, I, I it must have just come up in the topic of conversation. But because I was like, he was number one in save of uh, goal save oh, above expectation, right and Lukanen yeah. was number two. Exactly. And I said, what was the commonality? They both had ridiculous heights and lows in the you know the adversity of trying to find their way. Like Skinner was being run out of the league three months ago. Yeah. When Edmonton couldn't get a save, and Calvin Pickard was being called up to try to be better than Skinner, better than Campbell, and a stopgap until they made a big trade. Like, this is what we were talking about two months ago with the Edmonton Oilers before they rattled off this win streak. It's yeah. it's crazy. And Lukanen uh, didn't play the first six games of the season, and then he played five in a row this year. Why? Because Levi and Comrie were hurt. And yes. you had, like, uh, Logan Cooley getting called up from Rochester to back up. And it no, was like... that would be Devin. Oh. Uh, Devin, Logan. What did I say? Logan Cooley. <laughs> Devin Cooley. Yes. Um, you know, David Brisebois refing the game instead of being the GM in... in uh, <laughs> In uh, in Tampa, but anyway, yeah. like, but that's the thing. And like, Nigel Dawes was... starring in goal last night for the New Jersey Devils. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, Nigel Dawes, another uh, name from another uh, name, another name. We should play this ex- game way more often. Change the first name, keep the storyline. Uh, yeah. I mean, with my brother and I, that has been a <laughs> historical thing from the day we were uh, young kids with my parents, and yeah. then after that, uh, or. People calling me Marty Brother because they right. like our Marty and the two goalies. And anyway, so these all but fall the, under bad Valentines, right? Like when you put the wrong under, name on. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's Valentine's Day, people. Do not write the wrong name on a card or I leave a message or on a text. Like, oh. be, please be careful. Don't do what Duffer did last night. Oh, no. Duffer was trying to text me and Jeff last night. No, yesterday, uh, yesterday, uh, the show. yesterday yeah, for yeah. the show to open the Zoom uh, call, and uh, he texted his daughter, and she's like, <laughs> "What? What Zoom?" <laughs> Which and is, then and then I'm like, "Oh, that was meant for our producer." She's like, "I kind of figured." Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. It happens. No, but again, Lukanen, like. Well, goalies it's, it's, have to jump through so many hoops, I feel, to get to a place where some of them, they, they walk right in and they're fine. Uh, but most goalies, yeah. you look at their history and they're like, man, they jump through a lot of hoops to get to where they are. And Lucan and jump through a lot of hoops and he's getting rewarded for it. He really is. And and he's earning the reward. And I think that's the most important thing um, because obviously they're not in a position to be giving things out. You know, just based on, well, this is what the market should be, right? No, this is about, and you you referenced this earlier, and I think it's really important in this path that Lukanen is on. There's still 10 points out of the playoffs. Yes. 23 and 7 is the likely number they have to go to, to make it or give themselves a reasonable chance. That's crazy. To think that they could do it, maybe they will. Based on Don's comments last night, when you, the fact that for whatever reason they've had trouble 
creating this urgency until the outside world tells them like, you now have no time left. Like it has to be urgent. You know what I mean? So um, they're definitely in that window. Now there's, there's no games to to play with when you've only got 30 remaining and they've, they've carved out the 10 point deficit. But what you referenced earlier was when a player gets hot and did it happen at the start of the season and then not continue? Did it happen at the end of the season when they were already out of the race and pressure is off and blah, blah, blah. That's not what happened here for Lukanen. They were in the middle of the season, prime time real estate against significant opponents and absolutely had to deliver and if it turns out that he has this incredible stretch to close out the year and they miss the playoffs, it's not on him. To me, no. it's not comparable to a guy inflating his point totals on a team that's 50 points out of the playoffs and the guy ends up with 70 points and says, pay me $5 million. You know, like this. Well, he's this still could've... got 70 points, but I think we're not you know, in that window. I think the last, right? the last 10 games of the season, the last maybe dozen games of the season, you always have those bad teams that are like, well, we finished the season eight, two, and two, and we're ready for next year. And look at this guy. In the last 12 games, he had six goals and, and eight assists for 14 points. And okay, we're not in that window here. It's not the last 12 games, the last 10 games of the season where, right. you know, somebody did not perform well for most of the season and just shows up or, or just to have this hook on, on, on everybody for the year after. This is, as you say, it's been, for now, over a month, probably more like six weeks of high-caliber playing from Uko Pekalukanen, mm-hmm. and it's in the middle of the season, and it's finally when he's given that chance. Now, yes. would I have started the season by saying, Lukanen, you're my guy? No, I wouldn't have, because I didn't think that he, it was going to take this turn, but he was given an opportunity, given a chance, and he took it, and you got to be commanding of him for that. I agree. And, you know, now it's just, and it's hard to believe that while we're talking about this, <laughs> they've just come off of that extended layoff, right? Yeah. So like the numbers in reality could be, could be even bigger in this period of time, but uh, they had their bye week and the all-star break and, uh, and quite frankly, a light schedule um, before getting into now the every other day routine, which continues tomorrow against the Florida Panthers. The Panthers are in action tonight in Pittsburgh with Bobrovsky and goal. What a challenge it will be for the Sabres against Florida, who will undoubtedly not resemble in any way what the Kings looked like last night, which kind of came out of nowhere based on how the Kings had been very recently but was also very reminiscent of what the Kings have shown to be this year, which is incredibly inconsistent. The real winners last night in the NHL were Calgary, Minnesota, and Seattle, as they were able to, by not playing, watch some teams falter. Seattle won, of course, in a shootout, but the West closed up. Now you've got six teams within five points in the Western Conference wildcard race, and that's a tough one for L.A. to lose, tough one for St. Louis to lose against a depleted Toronto team. And all of a sudden, Minnesota, who Buffalo's going to see on Saturday when they travel to St. Paul, find themselves believing that, hey, we've been awful by our standards for 52 games. We've changed a coach, but now we see an opportunity. And I, I, you know, so this is going to be an interesting week. I'll tell you what, though, it's not as compressed as what the Amherst are up against. Marty, Devin Levi takes them into battle tonight in Utica. Yuri Kulik comes back into the lineup. I had to do a double take and triple check this. They have seven 
games in the next 11 days. This has been a team that has been playing mostly two games on weekends, right? They've got Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, then an afternoon game Monday Monday in Toronto, and then Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. And the challenge here is that five of the seven games are in the division, all of them against teams they're either tied with or below them. And they're only three points removed from the bottom of the division, which is held by Utica. And when you get to the monstrosity end of this trip, you play by far the best team in the league, by far. 800 winning percentage. Hershey in their building on the back end of a back-to-back, and it's not the shortest trip ever. So, oh my goodness, what a stretch here for the Amherst. And it goes to a question that we just got on X by uh, by Sam. Uh, he says, any reason why Quinn and Powers are not on IR to allow for roster spots to facilitate call-ups? Um, did he the say Amherst Powers are playing 7-11, and 11, so they need their bodies down there. Right now, the Sabres have 13 forwards because last night, Eric Robinson was a healthy scratch. Yeah. So they have an extra forward. They have 60. So obviously, they could call up a defenseman. but um, and And if they do... They will, number one, probably put Jack Quinn on IR or long-term IR because he's going to miss, you know, the, the time that you can do. And and then if they have to, they may put Owen Power on IR, but they don't have to. So uh, until you have to, you you really don't need to make the, the move just to say we're going to put players on injured reserve just like that. Like, you you just got to right. wait it out. And I think that right now, because the Amherst are playing 7-11, and 11, you're probably saying, okay, let's wait and see what happens. Are our guys healthy? Mm-hmm. Um, the six defensemen are healthy. They played well. Um, you kind of go with that. But if you have to call somebody up, it's an easy transaction to make to put Quinn or Power on, on the IR. The Amherst have points in three straight. It just doesn't feel like it because they lost in the first minute of overtime and back-to-back games against Syracuse on the weekend. So it left a really crappy taste. <laughs> in their mouth but you know you got to keep picking up the points here what it did was it prevented them from really challenging Syracuse for top spot in the division because they had been able to nail down both in regulation time we'd be talking about something completely different right now and that is more of an emphasis on first place as opposed to stabilizing here and making sure you don't allow Utica to get any closer Dan's coming up on the other side we've got the catwalk for charity coming up on March the 15th so we are just over a month away from the return of this event it happens at Forbes Theater in downtown Buffalo at 512 Pearl Street Ryan Miller and his former teammates runway walk once again with this return of the catwalk for charity Sabres alum modeling outfits designed by our friends at Courage of Carly the patients at Roswell Park Comprehensive Cancer Center and proceeds benefiting the Ryan Miller Legacy Fund. To learn more, get your tickets now. Visit sabers.com slash catwalk. We're back after this. We're back with more of Sabres Live. Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. We continue on the heels of a Sabres win last night, 7 nothing over the Kings. Dan Dunleavy is with us, but he doesn't get first word in this segment. That belongs to Marty, who has dun, 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 a correction. Correction, correction. Got to make the correction. Um, because of our great listeners, and uh, one in particular, James Finch of AFB Analytics in uh, Rochester, we've talked to him on the show. He uh, made sure that I knew that, no, UPL has one year left before UFA uh, eligibility because he's a March 9th birthday, so it'll be 25 this year. So it'll be 26 a year from now, and he'll be 27 before 
uh, you know, that July one. So, um, yeah, so he has one more year after that. I believe that's what it is. Okay. So that's... giving him a, uh, actually, no. Yeah. So he has two years. So we can't give him, he can't get a two year, correction on the correction. I was thinking a two year deal. If you do that, you walked him to UFA. If uh-huh. you give him a one year deal, then uh-huh. you can renegotiate before he becomes a UFA. That's the, that's how you, you put it. So it's right. complicated. My math is foggy, but yes, he's a year earlier than I thought to UFA um, because of that. Yeah, but it also just shows that your original instincts were maybe what you were thinking all along. Like if you do the one, you're safe, and then you figure out longer term. I just, Uh, I complicated the matter because I raised an eyebrow immediately at giving one year. Look, I I jumped the gun. I jumped the gun, and that's my (laughs) fault. And Dan, um, (laughs) talking about jumping the gun, uh, late in the game last night, we had some audio issue with Rob Ray with about a minute and a half, two minutes left. Did did it ever cross your mind that maybe Rob Ray was going to just say, I'm out and then jump the board and run out the exit with b- before the game ended because his uh, microphone seemed to be having some issues. Well, you're almost daring me to uh, you're almost daring me to unveil some secrets of Rob's end of game tactics on not necessarily television. So I'm going to partially avoid the question because <laughs> yes, there's always the possibility that if Razor can get out a minute or two early, I think on anything he'd be game for it. But yeah, jumping over the boards would be another issue. Well, and when it's a radio game, he's up in the press box with you. When it's a TV game, he's down between the benches at home. I didn't um, bring up radio games. You did. No, I'm bringing it up. Yeah, but we were showing on MSG the, the, the race that Razor always does from the between the benches all the way out. That's where he was once surprised by Taidomi, and I thought he uh, – he acted really scared when he got surprised. But <laughs> but when, you know, there was, I looked, I was actually preparing for the post game. And then you mentioned we were having a little uh, audio issue with Rob Ray. I turned around because I'm thinking, is he still <laughs> in between yeah. the benches? Is that what the audio issue is? Yeah, that- somebody hit him again or what? No, Joe just wanted, our Joe Pinner, our producer, for those watching this thing. He just mentioned in my headset, hey, um, you might have to take it for the next couple of seconds here because we've lost Rob's mic. We don't know if we're going to get it back before the end of the game. By that point, there were 43, 48 seconds left. So I was fairly confident we could get the job done and Razor (laughs) would be, and that Razor would not be offended if he was done for the night. Yeah. I'm actually surprised that that my assumption is that he doesn't want to get caught walking behind the players, you know, on the bench (laughs) to escape the scene. But I feel like if anybody would have the confidence uh, to do that, it would be Rob. What did you see from uh, your vantage point last night that uh, is uh, meaningful moving forward to the next yeah. game versus Florida slash the remainder of the 30 games on the schedule? Uh, a lot of things meaningful. Can I quickly bring up a story, though, because you touched on a memory about whatever, whatever had, and, and it's a lacrosse one. So you like it. Uh, and it does have a Buffalo flavor to it. Um, you mentioned if Razor had to go behind the bench, there was a time when uh, in working with Toronto at that time, Les Bartley, who a former Bandits coach, as you know, and I tell the story often, was coaching uh, with The Rock. Um, uh, the color commentator with me on radio, and we traveled with the team, he was standing on the floor while the guys were practicing quite often. And Blair would pick up a lacrosse stick because he's a former player, and he just kind of wanted to be one of the guys. To your point about Rob, if he went behind the bench, if he got stuck there, 
someone might tell him, well, you're here now. you got to coach this thing. And all of a sudden, the heat would be on. And I always remember Les Bartley saying to Blair, he said, if I find you on the floor in five seconds when I turn around, you're playing tonight. And Blair got off the floor in like two seconds. You know, it's kind of just something to say. But it was it just jogged my memory on that. And and I often like to recall Les Bartley stories. But anyway, yeah, last night. That would night, be ugly, Dan. If Dan, if Razor found himself on the bench, that would be ugly. I think we've all witnessed him though when he's when Rob's watching his son's team play, right? When the Junior Sabres team is playing yeah. and he's watching that game and he'll often do it as well on the bus. Uh and some of the guys are on the bus, some of it's staff and we're going to the game whether it's a practice or a skate whatever. Um and Rob gets quite into it and sometimes I don't know if he forgets that he's that into it and there's other people around, but it's quite um it's great to hear the emotion, it's great to hear how into it it is and but he gets quite vocal at times, so it's interesting. But for last night, yeah, a lot of great things. Listen, um, and I think you you hit on the first one, which is pretty obvious. It's the continuous solid play that they're getting in net from Ukupekalukan, and then I just think the growth that we're seeing, not only in his game, but in how he's handling himself away from the moments that he's making the saves, whether it's you know between the whistles, whether it's just before a game, after a game. I saw him yesterday morning. Um, after Eric Comrie came onto the ice, as always, he was very close behind. And I just happened to be on the bench just saying hello to some people. And he came out and he just has a different walk to him right now. And that has to come, that comes with success. I understand it. But that success is something that's Brian, you mentioned that's been earned. It's not something that's been given to him. So I think that he's found a way to find it in his own head that he's made this his team within his position and he's doing his part. And as Rob mentioned many times last night, the Sabres were in really good position on rebounds uh, when they were necessary. I think he took care of a lot of rebounds himself yesterday, but uh, Marty, and you can attest to this, uh, the guys were on the right side of those rebounds, and they were on the right side of the opposition players to try to get to those rebounds. So you didn't have to worry about the appearance of looking like you maybe were unaware somebody was goal side on you or whatever, because you just got there first and you took care of things. So uh, and help from the post too. I always say this in sports and, you know, in the, in the wake of a football season, the people here are still frustrated about, you can have the best player at the best position. At some point you need some breaks. And they got it with goalposts last night too, a couple of times. And I know the score, it wouldn't have mattered, uh, but certainly it would have mattered to the end result, which was another and four shutout for him. So um, that aside, I really like seeing Zach Benson get rewarded for continually doing, uh, playing the game the right way. Uh, for engaging in battles with the defensemen again, who are six to 200 pounds, and it just doesn't seem to sway him at all, which is something that I enjoy now. And then I look to the future. I remember turning uh, to the folks in the booth last night. We had some guests up there with us, as you probably had on the set as well, yeah. part of the fan experience. And I turned to him and I said, we're seeing this from an 18-year-old. Wait until he grows into the true man, hockey player body and mindset where He's going to be able to say, I've done this since the first day I got here. And now he's, you know, he'll bring more tools with a being experienced and just how nutrition and everything else works with what he's got to do there. And then on the other end, it was just movement. Um, you often hear the phrase, and I truly believe in it. How hard did you work without the puck? And I think the Sabres without the puck last night worked really, really hard. And that's what showed the benefit. And I think on nights when we all see, and it's plain to see that they don't have success as a group, um, one of the first things, and then Don even brings it up at the end of the game, is that they just they didn't bring the work ethic, which is extremely frustrating for everybody probably to say, admit, and then to hear. But at the end of the day, 
if they bring that same work ethic that they did against LA, I don't care if LA's hot or cold, they were pretty good coming in. Um, not great, but pretty good. If they bring that same work ethic and positional hockey play against the Panthers, they're going to be much better off than they would have been, you know, let's say 10 games ago with Florida coming in here trying to do the whole globetrotter routine on them again. Uh, Dan, a little this or that for you, because one of my talking points that I haven't gotten to yet is Alex Tuck. And then so it made me think of, he talked to Benson, made yeah. me think of the two lines. The middle stat line, who had a great night, Jordan Greenway had a fantastic night. Obviously, number one star was given the sword after the game. And that's great. But I think that Dylan Cousins had a pretty significant impact on the game as well. He, Paterka, and Benson. So this or that, which one is the one line between Cousins and, and Middlestat that you think is 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 driving the bus? And, and maybe it's both equally, but I'm just saying, yeah. like, if you had to pick one, which one do you see of late here of the last four or five games is driving the bus? Well, okay, I'll jump right to it. I think when Jordan Greenway is playing a game that he's capable of playing and when he's got line mates that he can work with and feed off of, as he does right now, I think he's a difference maker. Obviously, it's pretty obvious for Jordan Greenway, um, who loves playing the game, it's doing that every single night. I think if he does, he is a bit of a beast of a difference that the Sabres have wanted when they acquired him. When you look at his size, when you look at how he can play the game, puck retrieval at times, he can be a disruptor as well, and he's kind of sneaky how he does it. It's not like this big, I don't know, it's not like an expected thud or presence. That might that might not be the right word, but all of a sudden he shows up, and he's got a strip, and the play in the corner, he's a part of it. And I think he's feeding off of guys like Middlestad, and I think Alex Tuck feeds off of that, as we saw last year when Casey played between he and Jeff Skinner. So um, not to ignore, but you asked me to choose one because I agree that Dylan Cousins is playing straight-ahead hockey again, which is great. Mm -hmm. Um, as is J.J. Paterkin. I think I've said many times, I don't think J.J. realizes how good he can be in this league. I think he's just doing it because he's got the skill and the gifts to do it that he's worked on at this point. I think once he really figures it out, uh, you know, sky's the limit for 77 as far as I'm concerned. But I'll go with my first choice there to answer your question. Well, uh, John Jason is on pace for 30 goals, and we shall mm -hmm. see if he hits it. He is trailing only David Pasternak in first goals of games this year as he added his seventh last night. The challenge for Buffalo is to maintain the uh, high shooting percentage we saw last night. Yeah. You know, Jordan Greenway yeah. is actually now leading all Sabres regulars in shooting percentage at 14.8. Last year, the team had five players over that number. It just has not materialized yeah. for those five players. Specifically, we all know who they are, the ones that were above and right below the 30-goal plateau. So we'll see if uh, the shooting percentage can uh, make life a little easier for them moving forward. Dan, thank you. Yeah. We'll see you tomorrow against the Panthers. All right, guys. Thanks. And we have tons to get to around the NHL. Lighter night tonight, but busy night last night and lots of stories to follow. We hit on them next here on Sabres Live. We're back with more of Sabres Live. Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Roberts keeping it in. Got it around and behind the net. Here it is. Draco fires it on Or not. Norn and brilliant in the net. And then the puck shot by Reichel as he tried to center it right in the middle of the leaf net at the other end. <laughs> Go figure.
There are a million reasons to replay that moment in Sabres history, not the least of which is it happened on this date in 2004. Another reason would be just to hear the great Rick Jenneret and Jim Lorenz. The other, another, would be to remind ourselves, Marty, once again, how many times you and I were in the same place without really focusing on that. Just like your draft year in 1995, we were both there in Edmonton. And on yep. this date in 2004, you appeared for the Sabres, I was hosting for Leafs TV, and history was made in the form of a Mika Norinen empty net goal. Yeah, first uh, and only goal scored by a goaltender in Buffalo Sabres history. And uh, it's funny to think that Mika Norinen didn't even start that game. I started the game in <laughs> Toronto. I got pulled and I sat on the bench in straight jealousy. As Mika Noronen got credited with a goal. Now, he didn't shoot it in, but it doesn't matter. He has a goal to his name, and I've always wanted to have a goal to my name. And Noronen not only came in and got a goal, he came in and got the win. So, at least I didn't get the loss, even though I got pulled earlier. It didn't show on my record. But, yeah, we were all happy for big Mika, who got credited with a goal and got a win. And uh, But I was a little sour. This or that, goal or silver stick? What are you craving more? Oh, I would have taken a goal over a silver stick. I figured you would. Yeah. 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 No, I like, listen, I would have, you know, I would have taken a goal in juniors and then you would have taken a silver stick at the NHL level, meaning you played 500 games. But uh, I tried in juniors and hit the outside of the net. Will Ovi, in fact, get the golden stick? When this is all said and done, meaning will he emerge as the game's all-time leading goal scorer? Don't look now. He's got goals in six consecutive games. I know the Capitals are feeling bad that they lost last night and the wins uh, or lack thereof are haunting a number of players on that team. But at yep. the very least, they have this rainbow known as Alex Ovechkin right now uh, producing for the fans in the chase against Wayne Gretzky. I had said earlier in the year that the difference between Ovechkin this year and the past few years is he had lost his command, right? Like the, the pitcher's analogy that you, you shoot the puck, but you're either hitting the goalie in the chest or hit, missing the net. Um, we haven't seen Ovechkin score a lot on that one-timer like he did last night, but last night he's fading away, stick up in the air, nice pass, one-timer, great location inside the post. That's what we were used to see Ovechkin. And now he has six in a row. One of those six was an empty net goal that kept it going, right? Ovi, mm -hmm. number one in empty netters around the National Hockey League uh, in the history of the game. So, um, yeah, I think this is great for Ovechkin, great for the chase that he's uh, gotten hot a little bit now. Yeah, it really is. Um, the Devils have won a couple in a row, and they've done so with good goaltending. <laughs> I ask, well, I, I say that with a little bit question of question mark, but it, it's true. It's just yeah. it's Nico Dawes. So again. This carousel continues for the Devils that we've seen for a couple of years now, including in the playoffs. Like, which guy do we start? Yep. Who's going to star? And the problem is, is when you win, do you get a false sense of security? The irony was last night they were playing UC Soros and the Predators. And Soros did everything humanly possible before they caved in the third period and they were outshot. I mean, New Jersey had 47 shots in the game. But, like, what is this little blip going to do for the Devils who are riding Jack Hughes? Are they going to talk themselves out of acquiring a goaltender? 
No, 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 that can't happen. And the reason why Nico Dawes is playing right now is because Vitek Vanacek fell ill, right. ill, not with an age. Like he didn't fall off a hill. He fell ill One the tree. other day. And, uh, and and so Dawes went in and they won a couple in a row. And that's great. But now you you had Jacob Markstrom in your building the other day and you saw what a, a, a legitimate number one goaltender, a guy that can do it in the playoffs. Um, is all about. No, they didn't make the trade, and maybe that's going to happen, but uh, you can't have that false sense of security. Jack Hughes is back. Great. Mm. You can make a run. You can get in the playoffs, but you need a goalie. One thing I laughed at last night, among the many, because I laugh every night, is the fact that the Islanders are still the Islanders. They've had yeah. eight games under Patrick Waugh. They are 3-3-2, three, three and two, which is exactly what they were before. They're scoring at the same rate. They're defending at the same rate. They go beyond regulation almost half the time. They lead the NHL 19 times they've gone beyond regulation, but they're only 6-13 and 13 in those games, which was what part of the problem was before. So, I don't know. I just think it's hilarious that nothing has changed. Change, and the Islanders are just kind of teetering in there. The, the one thing that has changed a little bit, I feel, is that defensively they are better. I mean, this was again a it was a one-one game and a two-one win in a shootout by Seattle. Yeah. Uh, Sorokin seems to be at the, the better level. They're both healthy now. Varlamov and Sorokin are are kind of sharing the 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 job here, so they're given less goals. I feel like that's good. Happy birthday, Val James and Jim Kelly, and happy Valentine's Day to all. We'll see you tomorrow.